Welcome to Get Rooted. A Mending Roots <laughs> Healing Center production. This is where we get real, get real messy, and get rooted in all things that heal us. I'm Nick, licensed clinical mental health counselor. I'm Megan, licensed clinical social worker. Megan, are you ready? Uh, not at all. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> Do our listeners know what we're talking about when we say that you just got back from Tennessee? Like, should we provide a little bit of context? I don't think it's necessary. If you go to Tennessee, it's magical. It's magical in Tennessee. Okay. It's magical in Tennessee. I think what I would just say to that is I just moonlight do some um, therapeutic work in Tennessee. Yeah. Cool. But it was about is some personal growth professionally and personally. Um, if you know me, I may have struggled with ego once in a while. And so, <laughs> and so um, I had a an opportunity to allow my ego to really show up and just take over and run the show. And I was physically conscious of it in the setting. I physically took a step back knowing I need a minute to kind of collect myself because my ego is popping up, which is just taking care of all the shame I'm feeling in this moment. And I stepped into a different space and just allowed myself to be with that human. And I did not try to justify anything. I listened and heard and validated and joined with the hurt of that individual. And so that was on a professional level where sometimes I think ego can get in the way of, we maybe know things about our clients or we believe we have the answers at times, right? I, I can't imagine that we don't all slip into that once in a while. And this was just None of that, none of that showed up, right? And then I think personally being able to lean into my messiness and sharing that and not only sharing it, but allowing somebody to support me in it and be with me in it, right? Sometimes I'm good at sharing and I'm not so good at allowing the being with me part. Um, so it's like I shared and now I can go away. <laughs> right? And this was more like allowing people to be with me um, and multiple people, not just one-on-one, right? So in different settings, in different scenarios, in different opportunities, allowing myself to be supported in that and, and taking it in. Right. So the, the receiving part can be really difficult for me because I love to give and I love to be needed at the end of the day. I, I do enjoy it. So, um, <laughs> I mean, no getting around that. Right. And so to have that reversed and nobody needed me in those moments and it was actually about me. Mm-hmm. And so receiving that and taking it in felt new. It felt new in what I was allowing. Not not that other people haven't tried to give it before, but what I was allowing. Mm-hmm. So the shift was actually in me, not other people. Mm-hmm. So we have this need to be needed. Mm-hmm. I feel both seen and attacked. 
Um, but that that doesn't necessarily always have to look or have to be maladaptive or negative. There's a lot of situations okay. in which that can be a really beautiful honor that we get to like engage in with other people. And so I think Nick was just talking about it, like how you have helped him start to create some um, understanding or maybe boundaries around that with his own caseload. Mm -hmm. I feel, and I feel very similarly. Um, so I think in addition to what he's already said about there are ways for this to look healthy, mm -hmm. do you have other thoughts about like, how does this show up in healthy ways in, um, our professional and personal mm -hmm. lives, this mm -hmm. needing yeah, or being needed? That's right. Yeah. So I think I would say learning and understanding boundaries for ourselves um, and how loving they are and not mean, right? I think I grew, I personally grew up with like this idea of we're all together and, um, I would call it a meshment now. <laughs> Nobody else would call it that once upon a time. And so boundaries, getting comfortable with them, being able to name them and then hold them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the naming is the first step and then holding them for ourselves. Right. So I always think about the times that I let go of my boundaries is really a disservice to myself. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm ignoring everything that I just tended to. And so that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think the second thing that comes to mind, uh, maybe more on a personal level is surrounding checking my intention around why I might be doing something, mm -hmm. whether that be for somebody, whether that be, um, getting people together or, you know, trying to show up to everything, every activity, everything you're invited to. Um, and what is my intention? Is my intention to get something or do I actually just want to go? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Do I, do I want to be there? And so, intention feels like so important to me. And that's something that I gain some clarity around and that it helps with, do I say no to this and that be okay? And the relationship is not going anywhere when I say mm. no, right? It's such a learning curve or was for me um, regarding, I have to say yes to everything. I have to say yes to everything. Um, Cause then they, they won't ask me again, or they won't need me in the future. They'll mm -hmm. find somebody else, all of that kind of stuff that we tell ourselves that isn't true. Mm -hmm. That's the tricky work with boundaries is that not only do we have to take the time to get to know ourselves mm -hmm. enough to know what our boundaries need to be, then we also have to state them like, right. Like you said, to name them and then the holding. Part. <laughs> That's right. And I think that the holding part it's a helpful reminder for me to hear you say that right now because the for us the need to be needed doesn't just magically go away when we set a boundary. Yeah. And so in the moments when it's really tempting to give in to that and maybe a way that um isn't serving mm -hmm. the the most helpful purpose. I'm trying to be really careful with my language mm -hmm. right now. I'm mm -hmm. trying to get rid of good and bad and right and wrong. Yeah. Um yeah, I kind of forgot where I was going with this. I think just that like the, it's the holding of the boundaries that help us return to ourselves and then yeah. also love our people well mm -hmm. because 
Yeah, because those core things, those core wounds, those core needs, whatever you want to call them, don't just magically disappear because we have recognized them, although that is an important step in the process. And so I think what I'm saying is like, we'll always have, we'll always be bumping up against that or probably for a good chunk of our lives, we'll be bumping up against that. Like I need to be needed. Yeah. Um, and so when we're, when we hold the boundary, we're loving ourselves well and also the people that need us. That's right. That's right. I also said need in air quotes, but it can also be true without <laughs> it air quotes. It can also be true without air quotes. And I think about when when I'm in my process, it's um, awareness, acknowledgement, and then action, right? Mm-hmm. So the holding is in the action. I've acknowledged my boundary, but that doesn't actually <laughs> mean anything. So I have to actually have an action step there. Um so that's that's kind of a run through that I try to do. And I will say that I fall victim to not doing it all the time. I literally, right before I came up here, just said yes to something I actually don't want to do. Mm. I literally just said yes. And the minute I hung up the phone, I was like, that was actually a no for me. But it happened so fast, right? Something that I've been working on is, can I get back to you? Because it allows me the moment to check in with myself and mm. what is my actual answer, not my instinctual answer. Um, and so, yeah, I might have to revisit that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I can be slower to process things. Mm-hmm. And so for me to play the tape forward and see myself in the future engaged in that event or a thing that I just said yes to mm-hmm. and feel a twinge of resentment mm-hmm. towards myself yes. or another, uh, takes a minute. It takes so a minute. I'm going to steal that. Can yeah. I get back to you on that? Yeah. Can I get back to you on that? Allows me the time to process all it's that. It's so loving too, y'all. It's, I mean, so loving to ourselves and the other person. Cause then we also don't have to cancel. We don't have to go back. We don't have to beat ourselves up. And I, I do it well sometimes and fail miserably other times. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about how wonderful you are. Stop it. Oh, y'all are making me uns- uncomfortable and sweaty already. Um, <laughs> yikes. So... <clears throat> Some of the things I know that got reflected to me was the warmth that I bring to situations, Mm -hmm. Um, my acceptance of messiness of others and not trying to fix it or make it better, just allowing that messiness to be. Um, I also heard from others that I have an ability Ability, I guess I would say, to see the best versions of somebody and to be able to make those speakable and talk about them. Um, and so that was like, I know it and to hear it from somebody else mm-hmm. is different than just knowing it. Um, authenticity was reflected to me because I did get a speeding ticket that week and 
was a brat about it, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> and I didn't try to hide the fact that I was a brat. Um, I, it just was, right? It was, it, it just was. It was a difficult moment for me. And everything, all the shame that comes after being a brat was present. And I think for me to be able to talk about that, was, is sometimes different, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think we stay in the feeling without actually expressing it or sharing it with another and allowing to be se- ourselves to be seen in that way. So I would say the growth that I had that week in allowing also my messy parts to be seen, not just them reflected to me, but I had to say some stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of my personal work recently has been how do I talk about my messiness? How do I express when I'm feeling certain things or when I do maybe need a little bit of comfort or somebody else to show up for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fiercely independent, fiercely guarded at times and believe that I can fix everything for myself. Mm-hmm. It's not actually true. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm struggling with is being able to talk about my messiness Mm -hmm. in a way that has the tone of acceptance Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. Mm self-deprecation or come meet me in my shame or some other form of asking somebody else to join in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on it with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get stuck in that. Which you and I just had that moment. (laughs) Last week where I was like, just tell me how horrible I am, Nick. Just tell me. (laughs) I'm messing everything up. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it is present for a lot of us. We're we're looking for someone to be like, yeah, you kind of (laughs) suck. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't get any of that, which is different sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, in one of our previous hallway chats, we were talking about vulnerability mm-hmm. and I was asking the question to Megan and Nick about what we like, why we think it is that we encourage this in others and want it in others and help others to get there specifically as therapists, mm-hmm. but also as just people mm-hmm. who are in community, um, but we don't do that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing you talk about sometimes it's hard to be a little bit more honest mm-hmm. and upfront about our messiness, even though I know that you love and accept that in other people mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> um, and also sometimes it's hard for us to ask for what we need or for yeah. help because we want to convince ourselves that we can do it, even though we know that's not how humans work. Yep. I would love your take on like, why do you think we do that to ourselves as humans and therapists? Why do we know this true thing for everyone else, but we don't allow ourselves to always engage in it in the ways that we wish everyone else would. Yeah. I think for me, excuse me. (laughs) It's not COVID. It's not COVID. (laughs) The first thing that comes up is sometimes I I don't know if we have control over the parts that come up Mm. of ourselves initially. So the instincts, the central nervous system, the body keeps the the score, all of that, that instinctually just happens. Um, 
I know from, I'll speak just from myself, the protective part that comes up very, very quickly. Um, and I have to befriend that part and get to know that part and honor that part that is there and also do something different besides just engage with that part fully. And so I think there is some that we don't think about that just comes natural to us. And then I think it's very exposing and there's a ton of ability to be rejected when we're vulnerable, vulnerable. And we don't always know who's going to meet us in that and who's going to show up. And through time, right. We learn that with the people that we get to know and we form relationships with. And sometimes even those people get it wrong because they have their own stuff that day where they can't meet us in certain ways. So I think it's twofold. I think it's one that parts of ourselves come up long before we know. And then the second part being the exposure and the rejection that is really there when we step into that vulnerable space. Yeah. To ask for help or support from the community Mm -hmm. is to put ourselves at risk. That's right. At risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danger. Sometimes it feels like, feels like danger. But to offer that to a community member doesn't, put ourselves at such risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're rewarded by giving that space, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but we have to take a risk in order to mm-hmm. be met in that space personally. Yeah. And I think it's the continuous head heart battle, right? So intellectually, I know a lot, <laughs> right? And intellectually, I know I love the messy parts of others and the surface stuff I struggle with in relationships personally. I don't become close with those people if they're unwilling to let me in. So intellectually, I know all that. And then heart sometimes is like danger zone. Don't do it. You never know what's going to happen. And so that internal battle and struggle that is continuous for most of us. I think some of, some of the needing to be needed comes from that, like also wanting to be lovable. Right. So I know lots of my core stuff. And so once upon a time, I think I really set my life up and thrived in those settings that were almost traumatic were set up for burnout, set up for never being able to keep that type of pace emotionally, mentally, physically. And so, um, stepping back from that leaves you a little disoriented in, and now what, um, I'm sure it's also tied to a little bit of self-worth, right? The more I'm needed, the worthier I am. Mm -hmm. Y'all I'm really uncomfortable right now. Just name that. (laughs) There's parallels across work and relationships. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. While I say I'm uncomfortable, I'm also feeling privileged and honored to be having this conversation with both of you and for it to be in wherever it goes, the ether. Um, So yeah, I'm sitting with the duality of that, the uncomfortability of exposure and also 
honored to have these types of conversations. I, and, and I'm hopeful and I believe it's what makes this space pretty magical, um, is that we don't shy away from this stuff as leaders and that we encourage it and show up to it. Um, so I know they're, they're so important to have these conversations. They're so important. Um, and that all of our hopes and dreams of what mending roots would be is coming to fruition. Mm. And you all are the best reflection that we can ever have. Yeah. <laughs> Alexandra's crying. <laughs> no one's surprised. Um, this week I am proud of. Clearly not saying no. <laughs> not saying no. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> I am, oh, I know. I am proud of stepping outside of my comfort zone um, in my personal life and kind of leaning into some unknown territory and taking risks, which does not feel comfortable to me at all. And I'm also continuing to talk about it with others and not just sticking in myself and I'm not going to tell anybody till something happens. So that, that's been fun to share my process and lean into uncomfortability in my personal life. Mm. Alexander and I are working on doing less. You're doing more. <laughs> and admitting it when caught. That's right. <laughs> Admitting it when caught. I love that. I love Mic drop from Nick. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. Oh, you all. I love you all so much. Thanks for sharing in conversation and vulnerability and messiness with me. Yeah. Do it. Congratulations. <laughs> you have made it to the end of the podcast. If you made it this far, you probably like us. Or you were just distracted while you were listening to the episode. Either way, we're really glad you made it. If it's the latter, don't share this with anybody. <laughs> if it's the former, give us a shout out. You so, know, like us, subscribe. What else do you do to a podcast? I'm confused. Send it to a close friend. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're really grateful and glad you're here. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> That's our most favorite thing is to feel all the feelings at Mending Roots. <laughs> the feelings are big here for sure.